Yeah, I'm uh, Nick Kramer, uh, Krams12 on Twitter. I do the front endy full stacky things. Mostly, uh, I started off as a junior full stack, which is not a mythical unicorn. It actually exists. But yeah, right now, just uh, yeah, Krams12 everywhere, literally everywhere. That's the way, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, I guess for, for listeners, this is weird. <laughs> we were we basically, um, you know, Nick and I found that we had a really good banter going on. Uh, we're both a bit ADD, so I think this will be relatively uh, interesting. Um, so yeah, to circle back around and I guess just kind of recap a little bit of what we talked about earlier, uh, Nick and I were working on a uh, MVP for Code Career, where basically what we want to almost make a Twitter for, uh, I don't know, I'm horrible at explaining it, <laughs> but I guess like a, a Twitter for 100 days and 301 days of code challenges, if that makes sense. Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, yeah, Twitter for to make it easy for people to share their stuff on Twitter for when they're doing these challenges to document what's going on, make it super easy uh, for people to jump right in if they've already been keeping track of it or if they're brand new to explain all the concepts, all the projects um, that they're working on to just to kind of make sure they keep their skills sharp, whether they're learning or they're like like they're brand new or they're just trying to improve and help their career out as a seasoned veteran. Well, shit, that is a perfect pitch, man. I'm sold. <laughs> Good thing this is recording. I can uh, put that in the doc later for uh, for the homepage, right? Booyah. Mm. You're, you're going to be my Ehrlich Bachman. <laughs> <laughs> he's, if you're listening and you know the reference, he's much fucking nicer than Ehrlich Bachman. <laughs> he's a dick. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So I feel like... Um, we covered some bases there. Uh, so you're talking about podcasts. Um, yeah, tell tell me a little bit more about the um, the the podcast that you listen to. You were mentioning what was it, the workshop? Uh, shop talk show. Yeah. So this is super meta right now. We're talking about podcasts on podcasts. So which led us to wanting to record a podcast. Um, uh. But yeah, uh, I listen to way too many. Actually, I'm all over the place with it. Uh, but most of the time, it's. I, I just like to kind of keep at least a little bit of a pulse. So I'm one of those people who will try and at least understand what's going on. So the I, I've heard of X thing. I've never used it, but I know at least the gist of kind of how it works. It's, it's, I'm like the worst type of person when it comes to that. It's like, oh, yeah, I've heard about this thing, but you should go like listen to this instead. Like that's that's one of those things. Uh, so Shop Talk is one of those ones. Um, I try to keep up on JavaScript Jabber once in a while. Uh, one episode of my buddy Chris's podcast, Tales from the Script, uh, he talked with um, somebody about like neuroscience in JavaScript, which was really interesting, uh, where they actually use EEG um, helmets or like uh, they, they have smaller headset type things that kind of help record while you're sleeping and whatnot, but they pretty much track your brainwaves and they actually have implementations of this in JavaScript. So you and uh, the person he was talking with used to work at Netflix and they actually did have a day where he was able to somewhat control where he was going on the website with his actual brainwaves. And that, that, oh. that's fucking wild, man. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. And um, that's one of those things that I'm super interested about because i believe you mentioned that you know we both are just totally add for the most part so that's one of the things i'm very interested in trying to like figure out how i work so i can better utilize myself right like the whole like self-improvement type thing um and if i could attempt to monitor that 
and or even just kind of see like how I think or patterns, which I know this wouldn't be like the end all be all type thing or even like make something for the industry or whatever when with pairing with people like psychologists or doctors and stuff. I think that's one of those like end goalie type things that I think would be super interesting to just kind of find out like the differences in learning and all that fun stuff. Like it, it, it expands way beyond ADD and ADHD, right? But that's something that's kind of been really interesting to me. I haven't looked as much into it just because I, I haven't had the chance or the funds to actually get one of those headsets yet. But some of them range anywhere from like a hundred bucks to, uh, I would say upwards of like fifteen hundred dollars because you can get up to sixteen points of. Obviously, the more that you have and the more different points on your on your brain that you're actually scanning for those waves, the the more accurate you can get, right? But so anyway, that's that spiel on that one. Okay, yeah. So like, what sort of things does it um, does it track? Because I mean, you mentioned you were using they were using it for uh, the use case of just navigating the web, but I mean, like, what other possible use cases are there? Or is it um, well, still like in its infancy? It, it's it's been. It, I want to say it's more or less in the infancy. I haven't been following it as much in the past. I'd say six months to a year. Um, but one of the the simple things that the the talks uh, I'll I'll end up linking you to a couple talks that uh, um, are super interesting about it. But one of them it was depending on how you ended up getting your you had to figure out how your how to use or use the use your brain in a way to actually crush like a coke can right and it was it was an image right but depending on how you reacted to it uh it would start to crush a little bit and then it would give you that visual feedback saying okay this is what i have to do like you know what i mean like to, to attempt to you you get the visual feedback so that you can continue to train yourself to use your own brain in that way right does that make sense yeah, that's that's an interesting approach. So I wonder if it's um, just thinking out loud here. I'm like wondering if it's a mapped to um, like the same neural pathways, like the software interprets the same neural pathways that you would normally use for like hand function and that sort of thing, or if it's totally a different muscle that you just have to to focus on and, and grow. Yeah, it's something we haven't we don't really have to use a whole lot. Right? I mean, like we use our brain all the time, but we most of it's passive or we're trying to think about just how to solve problems and remembering things as opposed to actually trying to use it in a way to complete something like when we're moving our hands and our feet and our mouth and everything that's stuff that we've done for so long that it we don't even think about it um but yeah if that if it's 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 something that like i said it's it's on my radar and that's one of those things that I'm, I'm going to eventually end up like actually diving into but that's about as far as i can actually talk about when it comes to actual nitty-gritty details on it no i dig that man I, I suppose more so what i was speaking to is like um and for example like if you look at a graph of a brain um you know just like on a really base level you'll have like the um more so like the brain stem that kind of connects to the amygdala which is kind of like our um you know emotional like very primal fight or flight response uh, sort mm -hmm. of center of the brain you know then we also have uh, the frontal lobe that sort of thing and typically it seems like a lot of neuroscientists recently have been uh, mapping out different centers or i should say regions of the brain uh, mm -hmm. so that when you're under like an ekg they tell you basically hey solve a math problem and it lights mm -hmm. up like a particular uh, route in the brain uh, so i'm wondering if that route is used, you know, if the same route in the brain is used for everyone to say crush the can, for example, or if there's so much neurodiversity that some brains will actually, uh, you know, 
follow a different route entirely to accomplish mm. the same task. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that actually, yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. There's so much that, uh, that it that you can achieve with this, and whether it's for actually just helping people who have accessibility issues, um, or even just for research and stuff too. Right? Like the, the it, that's just scratching the surface on what this stuff could do. Just in you know theoretically. And it's it, it just totally blows my mind. Well, yeah, and like you were saying, I mean, it, shit, it's in, in its infancy, so you could really, um, you know, just experiment with it. Yeah. Cool. So I just posted in Skype a link because we're uh, just before talking about uh, juicy things on the internet. Mm. Um, quick recap for the listeners before we had uh, jumped into the Skype call and started recording. Uh, we we're chatting about. Uh, free code camps migration off of uh, medium and just kind of the way they went about it and uh, mediums uh, pretty much legal response to that and how um, hacker noon is also moving off of their platform a lot of backlash because those are two of the largest publications on their platform mm -hmm. um, but on that thread uh, you know nick and i were talking about juiciness and stuff on the web due to uh, one of the podcasts you listen to uh, that's kind of covers a similar format. So I said, well, shit, I got something. So I just posted in a link, uh, Nick, to give you a little context. I imagine you're browsing now. Yeah. 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 If you look at the thread, it's, uh, and I'll include it in the show notes, but just a complete fuck up by digital ocean. Yeah. It's so, it seems that, um, let's see, it's an AI powered startup selection engine. So I'm not sure exactly what they did, but they were running a, they're running a, a bunch of droplets for their uh, for their their service, and they seem to have every couple months run this really long running script. Which, I mean, if it's not super regular, I could see how DigitalOcean is like. Oh, recording is back on. Apology, guys. Fucking dropped connection with this damn ISP again. Hey. Uh, but yeah, as um, so... Nick just said, prior to us starting uh, recording, I just jumped on. Uh, NordVPN actually, and it smoothed out the connection. So, it seems like a good way to get around uh, ISP throttling. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. Actually, I do have a sponsor code. Oh well, then I so, retract that statement. We'll put it in the show notes, and I'll split the equity. A hey. profits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. Oh, but but yeah, it seems that. I guess I wonder how long. I mean, it seems like they've probably actually been running this script on and off every couple months for so long that or at least a lengthy enough amount of time that maybe one of Dio's new systems kind of caught it but like I was kind of mentioning the fact that hey we're protecting our users but it actually screws people in the end sometimes and that could even like locking out your servers could completely screw you of upwards of like maybe it was peak time and maybe it was a day a particular day of like that month that was like you were running the special and you advertised for or something like that and like it just totally screwed up a bunch of your profits and it screwed screwed you out of possibly millions of dollars. I don't know how much they make or what they exactly they offer, but that seems really accurate. I was reading through the thread earlier and from what I was picking up, OP uh, Nicholas Bravanas, like apologies on the name pronunciation. W three um, Nicholas. That one, on yes, Twitter. on Twitter. <laughs> Link will be in the show notes. Boosh. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, what the fuck? Yeah, you said that they had multiple Fortune 500 clients. Um, yeah, so it sounds like it did cost them quite a bit of money, and it's only a two-person startup, so I imagine it's 
bootstrapped and their only source of income. Ooh, even if it hit Fortune 500s, though, like that's still, yeah, I see that uh, we lost everything, our servers, and more importantly, one year of database backups. We, we now have to explain to our clients Fortune 500 companies why we can't restore their account. So on that tweet specifically, even though it's a startup, it shows the importance of backing up your shit. So <laughs> at least once a week, once a month, I mean, I guess it depends, but at the same time, like, yeah, that's still... I feel like Dio would... I mean, I, well, I don't know what they keep and what they don't keep, so... The plot thickens on this one. So this oh. is what's... Yeah, this is what's so fucked up about it, is because they were running all of these, from my understanding, running multiple uh, scripts and cron right. jobs to basically perform these backups, but... Oh, it was for all, backups, okay. Yeah, but all of these backups and scripts were all hosted on Dio, and essentially oh. what happened is Dio's... Um, quality and security team or excuse me trust and safety team uh automatically flagged their account and uh suspended it so like they uh from from what i imagine could log into the account but they couldn't access any of their backups or anything so <laughs> they couldn't even port out the backups and the user data to another host oh man that is such a colossal oversight the, so so the 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 three location rule you know what i mean like yep. you have your physical you have your your server and then you have your offsite server and in that case even though technically all their stuff would i mean obviously you wouldn't have like databases and stuff on your pc because of you know security things but i would at least throw the backups on like an aws um instance or something right like i mean, I know you probably don't want to pay for all, that extra little bit but i mean you're paying probably however much money for that do droplet it's probably cheaper or about the same price to pay on either aws or vulture or something else right something like this uh and that um there's a place that um i used to work at where we had on-site uh we had a data center uh it was super small time place uh PC repair, and then also did like network engineering stuff, but we dealt with a lot of HIPAA stuff, so we wanted to make sure that we were in full control of our servers. That's fine. We also did hosting and everything too, but we did we did have an offsite backup, but it was at our owner's house, but we didn't have an offsite backup like five like across like a couple states away, right? So if there was something that happened in town, right, and that was one of the things we were trying to fight for S3 about too, which is why I brought that up too, like even just having something or even like a DO droplet or whatever, right? Just as long as there's something offsite, like that needs to be important, especially if it's like super important. Data like that because you need to have a, a recovery plan it doesn't matter right like you have to have some sort of recovery plan and if everything gets screwed around you in all the same spot like that's the don't put all your eggs in one basket type deal it's just and i i'm pretty much like circling around at this point but you, you know it's it's such an important thing to emphasize and seeing people do that over and over again it keeps it in my mind that whenever i go to do something that may or may not have you know significant like user data or if i want to have my livelihood based off of that and you know it's it's like that's at the forefront of my mind when it comes to setting up infrastructure right even if it does cost that little bit extra i would much rather pay that little bit of money complain about it but then when something happens and oh well then i didn't lose my entire life yeah 100 percent agree man um i can't remember if it was on reddit or hacker news but I, I recall reading this post about like a junior dev that accidentally knocked out i think it was like his first day they gave him keys to all of the production credentials they and gave everything. Him production database access and they and it was his first time he never really messed with that anything one, yes. ever and they gave him like that was 100 percent on them like I, right 100 on them but he got but, fired because of it yeah but here's here's the fucking kicker man like 
they were doing <laughs> backups of their data, but they weren't actually testing the the backups of their database to see if it was valid and would actually work as <laughs> you know production backup. So even though they fired this guy and they're fuckheads for it, but even yeah. though they fired this guy, um, <laughs> they they couldn't uh, restore any of the user data. I think the um, the most recent uh, backup that they had done prior to that that was actually valid and working was like uh, a six-month-older configuration. Uh, I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been like a three-year-old configuration, but at the same time, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. I didn't, re- I didn't read that part because sometimes I just read headlines. Just, just being truthful. No, I'm exactly the same way, man. <laughs> I just found that one interesting because I think I dove onto it when I was like, uh, you know, a junior dev. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't, you know, my knees were shaking. I'm like, I don't want to fucking do that. Hearing <laughs> stuff like that is part of the reason why I try to keep a pulse on some certain things here and there just to be like, because I, sometimes I feel like I'm overcautious about things. Like if I, uh, example being, uh, I started a new uh, job just shy of three months ago. Uh, and I'm I'm being put on all these different projects. Well, this one I'm pretty much being put on is it's pretty big. There's essentially two different repos for it because we have like a front end component library type thing, and then like a, a CMSE type side where there's like PHP stuff. Anyway, um, so it's it's a whole weird situation. But when it comes to the different ways of like, I have a feature, but it's not in this particular uh system that they use to track all their their what they need to do and it's like okay well how do i properly create a branch like like i'm over simple or overly cautious and say oh well i'm supposed to do it this way but i don't have anything for it but i want to make a branch and then i waste 45 minutes you know thinking how do i make the branch properly so i don't get yelled at when it really doesn't matter you know, but it's, I don't want to, I know it's, it's just creating a Git branch and it's not like doing database things, but especially when I'm doing stuff on a production DB, even when I had to or have to, like I always double, triple check. Even if I'm doing stuff locally, I double, triple check just because I don't want that to happen. You know, like even if Dude, they do backups or not. No, you're preaching in the choir. <laughs> um, at one point in time, I was working a, uh, a contract for a company that, I think spent like almost a quarter of a million dollars developing a website. So there was that uh, very much additional pressure to getting things right and not fucking up their, their database. Mm-hmm. And um, I even went to the length of creating just a Python script that would then basically go through the the front end and just <laughs> automate price changes that way. Um, <laughs> oh, dang. I mean, because hey, I'm like, I do not want to fucking touch the database. <laughs> Add an extra layer. Make sure that you don't have to. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, a little bit over the top, but at the same time, <laughs> it made you feel and sleep better at night. And then you could guarantee that nothing was going to screw up. I mean, I don't see a problem personally. Yeah, but. exactly. And now I have the code on my, uh, my GitHub. So it all worked out. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. yeah, for sure. Because then you can use it later. Exactly. Yeah. Now I can automate some data input on you know pretty much any url so huzzah very nice um oh uh side note i was doing some looking up for my uh that one podcast uh i think the all the episodes they might still be up on google play uh, i'll link those up but they're not actually up on like Podbean or whatever it was okay yeah yeah cool so i'll have those i'll have links to that whenever uh whenever we get done with that okay cool Twitter links and stuff too. Okay, cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, so yeah, circling back to the uh, original topic of thought here, <laughs> uh, 
yeah, let's see. Uh, so someone had mentioned uh, account should be reactivated. Um, okay, so yeah, as I mentioned, right. the account was temporarily deactivated. Um, but then it looks like it was flagged a second time and the account was brought down again. Really? After? Yes. So that's that's why there's um, so much rage about it because essentially, I think I jumped... I'm going to sound like a fucking internet hipster, but I jumped onto this thread before it was cool. At like yeah. 35 oh, likes. Now oh. it's up to like 1K. <laughs> but yeah, fucking... I see uh, your tweets. I sound like a douche. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I jumped onto this... Anyway, I jumped onto this thread, I think, after I saw uh, Sergio Motel, uh, Mateo, I think. Is, I don't know. Uh, creator of Maker Log. Shout out to Sergio. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he had reacted to this. And I, I immediately saw that, I think, like three three minutes later. And it basically came to the thread, was reading through it, and was like, oh, fuck. Okay, so their account was automatically frozen. They only had the option to go through the ticketing system. And then eventually, after their account got reinstated automatically through the ticketing system and then shut out again for the second time, did they finally tweet about it and reach out to the the company directly for, with their cry for help? Mm-hmm. And they had just really, um, yeah, they just originally posted this six hours ago, basically just telling their story and showcasing these emails, as you guys will see in the, uh, the show notes or the thread for this. And um, yeah, it's just... It's a complete clusterfuck. You know, like, at, at the, the point in time where I hopped onto the thread, there were no options. So I was like, all right, I'm pinging, um, you know, Quincy Larson, a bunch of really predominant developers, and just saying, like, look, does anyone have a contact and in for this company? Um, you know, I even went to the extent of finding the uh, DigitalOcean CEO on on LinkedIn and was like, look, use, you know, to the the OP. I was like, look, why don't you use Rocket Reach or something like that to find his email and we can start a campaign to bug the fuck out of their CEO mm-hmm. so we can actually get someone to fix this for you. But luckily, a co-founder from um, DigitalOcean reached out and was like, oh, okay, you know, we fix this. Oh, very nice. Yeah, because I noticed that... Um... I noticed that the actual official Dio account finally ended up doing a series of tweets upwards of four and five hours after the tweet was done, which at that point, like, they had already been down for a ridiculous amount of time. And like I said, they lost money and all that other fun stuff. But I mean, I guess, I mean, it's business. You just got to, you always got to figure out and try to find ways to mitigate stuff like this, right? Whether it's either being proactive or, but I mean, if they've done this before, then you know you would think that they thought they were in the clear. So, but, you know, can't really trust software. As as we are people who make software, I don't trust software. So. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. To to rub salt in the wounds, some of the initial responses from the um, Twitter account of DigitalOcean were basically like, "Oh, well, you have to submit a ticket." Yeah, I I see that. I'm like, really? Like, come on, like tickets that already be. Yeah, it's like they went uh, through two ticketing phases and it automatically got locked out. Like, what the fuck do you want them to do? What good are you, yeah. DigitalOcean at Twitter? I see six or like at least four replies that are just the copy pasted. The trust of our users and communities are top priority. You know that stuff and that <laughs> yeah. full transparency. I'm like, this is not the place. To, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, not to throw. I don't know how who their who their social media people are, but I mean, you know, it is it is what it is, and they have their 
things they have to follow and stuff, and I understand the protocols, you know, because you can't just have any old Joe Blow on Twitter. Just, I mean, you got to have a response for him, but, you know, I don't know how high profile they were, regardless of who they serve, right, like client-wise. Like, if they didn't talk beforehand, too. Yeah, anyway. So that that's my thought on this whole thing, is that, you know, it absolutely sucks, and but this could have completely been prevented, but then Digital Ocean also, like, both parties dropped the ball in this whole situation. Agreed, yeah. I feel like there's there's a great way to do customer service, and there's a shitty way, and I feel like Digital Ocean, unfortunately, probably, like you were saying, outsourced it to an additional agency and just said, all right, you know, here's the templated response you can use if anything ever goes down. I feel like they should take more of like the uh, the Zappos approach, you know, like Zappos shoes, um, mm-hmm. where they make everyone in the company work as a customer service person for, I say, like the first six weeks. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, so, I mean, anyone who works for or at the company. Yeah, I've heard a bunch of companies actually doing that. Um to the point where either they do it the first two weeks or the first month to a month and a half uh, and or they do everybody does at least two weeks out of the year to make sure that that they're constantly in contact with the customers so that you never lose sight of the what's actually important when it comes to your product right because you can get so caught up (laughs) on how to even talk to your customers or I'm sorry man my internet connection has just been fucking dog shit garbage nah you're fine dude no worries uh so anyway i was on a, a tirade there <laughs> yeah um so you cut out but i wasn't sure if you heard me go on my little rant because i kind of just picked up <laughs> you okay. probably didn't hear me talk at all did you nope <laughs> okay okay no that's that's fair because i heard you stop for a second i'm like either he's recording or he had to mute so i'm just gonna pick up <laughs> <laughs> cool um yeah so anyway essentially i was just saying uh you know zappos has a really good structure uh, they allow their their customer service agents and representatives to take as much time as they need and do a very personalized, um, you know, transparent approach. Because mm-hmm. honestly, you know, this PR nightmare, and it's going to be a nightmare. I mean, it's not even 24 hours in. Um, could have been avoided if someone just had the authority to say, literally, sorry. Yeah, it's it's. I've seen that in a bunch of companies where whether it's for two weeks or four months or their first two months or whatever it is, they're on support and or people are required to do like two weeks of customer support uh, every single year. Uh, whether it doesn't matter what your role is, if you're a CEO, if you're an engineer, if you're the new person, if you're actually like secretary level, like you do customer support so that you never lose sight of who the actual customer is, where the things are going wrong, and so you can actually properly address things in a way that's actually human. Right. So because people get so grown away from like who they're like distant from what their users actually are and what the product is actually supposed to be doing at the end of the day or what people expect it to do. Yeah. So 100 percent. Yeah. I wish more companies would take that customer service first approach. Yeah, it, it, it never hurts them. I mean, even if you go Wendy's Savage, right, like it still makes it a human element. So but Wendy's Savage. No, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, uh, Wendy's, the actual um, company, uh, the fast food company, their Twitter is uh, whoever their social media people are like they are pretty much given free reign to be as savage as possible. Like, like, while still, yeah, it's they, they throw shade at other companies all the time. It's actually rather entertaining. Uh, I, w- I would take a look at some of their tweets like it, I don't I haven't seen any in a while, but yeah, it's it gets pretty uh, speaking of juicy content. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, shit, man. That's how you do social media right. It's got to yeah. be personable. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there was speaking of that, there was a uh, another podcast that I listened to called Indie Hackers. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Indie Hackers community or not. Um, uh, yeah, I've ha- seen them mention around. Yeah, IndieHackers.com. It's all about pretty much people to start their own businesses and it's mostly focused on bootstrapping and stuff but they have a podcast where they interview a bunch of people to kind of figure out how they figured out their companies and how they made their decisions and then also a forum community for stuff so anyway uh, there was one that happened there's a any hackers there is a podcast that came out this week or last week uh where the owner is train coming by you could probably hear that i'm assuming uh no worries my cat was Making the sound of noise earlier. Uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, Ali Lefevre uh, from Obedient. It's an agency where their whole point is to do brand, uh, to deal with brands and then make them funny, right? So the whole point for them was to just like make it a fun thing, right? Not this oh serious corporate brand type stuff. It's every the whole thing is tongue in cheek and everything is meant to be fun and how to market in a way that's fun and is personable and then also makes it, you know, profitable for the company, right? Because if people can relate to you, regardless of whether you're a company or like a brand, because technically, like at this point, I see Ben Spack as a brand and a person, right? You know, you you've pretty much built a pretty good brand for yourself, I feel, um, at this point you know it's it's if you make it personable people are more willing to interact they're more willing to trust you they're more willing to kind of let their guard down with you right you know like in in like a positive light thing too and then the way that you know it's approached is just it's a really good listen it's about like an hour hour and a half i'll put a link to that one as well um so that's it's just it's it's such an important thing regardless of like customer support or not. Like, I mean, even if it's just like your general brand or customer support, like you have to be a person. You can't just be like, Oh, let me just copy paste the same thing 15 times. in the tweet that's actually blowing up on Twitter right now in the dev community. Cause we will, <laughs> yeah. we we're okay with switching tech. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Fuck. I was kind of a dick too. I'm like, Hey, check out some yeah, I- or whatever they're called. Yeah, but yeah, you were like, oh yeah, check out Vulture, check out I know Linode, and then I know um the person <laughs> yeah. from Takerlog was like, yeah, Peter Levels uh, uses uh, uses Linode too and stuff and whatnot. <laughs> like, oh man, oh, geez, man, you started a train there for a second. Yeah, I was kind of a dickhole in that, I, you know, I just wanted to help the guys, but I tagged like uh, Quincy Larson, D A H or D H H, you geez. know, the, the founder of Thirty Seven Signals and uh, yeah, yeah. Ruby on Rails. <laughs> like, yeah. Everybody, yeah, Basecamp, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, you, so you just just go the with whole it. Internet knows. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, that, that blows up, and I mean, if they handle it, pro- I mean, they lost their data. There's unless Do can pull something out of their ass, then I don't, I don't know what they can do to save it. So, but at this point, I'm well. Yeah, luckily there there is a good um fix to the story, as I had um you know briefly mentioned. The one of the co-founders had actually seen it on Twitter. I don't even yeah. know if they're like active in the company anymore, but they're like, "Look, I made some calls, put you in the right contact with people, and you know the issue is fixed." So that's, <laughs> but that's like buried in you know multiple threads. Yeah, right. So from a, a PR and customer service standpoint, they're still fucked because this thread is just still going. Let me refresh actually. Um, I mean, like, so that's the thing, too, is that there's been some conversation in the Code Career chat um, over the past, this past week about, like, as having me somewhat 
rethink some things about using DigitalOcean, right? Like just, I mean, there was some uh, some practices and stuff. I'm not sure if it's still true or not because we do have uh, one yeah. or two people. And yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm also quick to opinion sometimes too, and I try to I'm trying to curb that a bit more. Um, but I mean, it just seems that I'm I'm looking for Dio's nice, and I like it. It's just if I can find something better and possibly cheaper, then I might just go with it. But especially after stuff like this, I mean, or at least it makes me think that maybe I need to deal with AWS a bit more too. And then also just make sure I utilize multiple things. Cause technically I have, I still have a couple servers on Linode too. So. Well, yeah, jump onto what you're saying. I think it was, um, you know, your dev that mentioned that the security was just total shit for digital ocean. And I actually, you know, I've had a personal experience with that where, uh, you know, that a company that I mentioned earlier that, you know, pretty much had like a four-year development process for a shitty e-commerce website. Um, as I was setting them up, up in production, I was using DigitalOcean, um, changed the default password and everything for the account, was using two-factor authentication. And one of the consultants with that I was working with noticed that the account had been compromised and there were monitoring scripts installed on a DigitalOcean droplet for our production server. Hmm. That's that. No, I mean, if you've changed stuff, I mean, unless like it was something that's. I'm, I'm assuming that it wasn't like a simple-ish password or anything, right? Or even just like disallowing stuff and making sure you only had keys on too. But I guess that depends on who who needed access to that server too, right? Like even just having SSH keys. But yeah, that's still kind of oof. Yeah, yeah, we had had um, SSH keys set up, um, and I think. The, the password was like alphanumeric at least like 30 characters. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I, I don't know. This is just on a, a side tangent, but I know like the company was getting a shit ton of phishing emails and I feel like they could have been targeted for, you know, a penetration testing. Right. Um, and, you know, some malicious shit. But um, yeah, ultimately we had to basically just whitelist a couple of uh, IPs in order to you know, filter out every other attempt. I mean, yeah, it also depends on the platform you're using, you were using too, right? Because, I mean, if, if it was a WordPress site or something like that too, then obviously if something is WordPress and it's on the internet, then people are going to find it. But at the end of the day, I mean, I use them for staging servers right now because I don't deal with hosting any of my, uh, my side hustle like client stuff because I don't want to have that headache. I'll let other people take care of that. But like, I, I still have, you know, like four or five do servers up right now with different staging environments for different client projects and i don't mind it for staging stuff because personally i don't think it matters that much i can fix stuff and roll back but when it comes to production i mean lately i haven't really been doing a whole lot except for i have a couple super small projects that are production wise but i've been using so much like netlify for like front end type stuff that doesn't matter so i mean this is something that i think that we have to think about when it comes to uh the project that we're the the code journal project that we need to work on so. Yeah, agreed. You know, I, I definitely agree that it's um, probably great for staging, but yeah, when it comes to production, man, uh, I would just recommend everyone stick with AWS. Yeah, that's 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 the next monolith of the a beast of a service that I'm about to start digging into. Uh, I was I was heavily looking towards Azure, but I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Like DigitalOcean's done some pretty cool stuff, and they have a really great experience uh, when it comes to actually like setting stuff up. I don't want to like completely throw them under the bus, right? But at the same time, like this is kind of a colossal fuck up, and I know we've spent like a hell of a lot of time talking about it, but I mean, it's you you gotta bring back that customer goodwill, right? So 
Agreed. Um, okay, so yeah, by the tone of your voice, it sounds like we're beating a dead horse, so I agree oh, yeah. on that one. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Well, um, oh, yeah, did we already cover uh, chatting about Hashnode? Uh, no, uh, we, I know you've mentioned it in the past and we kind of had a quick little chat about hash node, uh, just beforehand. Cause I know that you just brought the, is it the, your personal blog over to it, right? Yeah. Just set it up. So what's your experience been with that? Like, were you working with them or are you just kind of trying it out and just trying to be like, Hey, what's up? Uh, and whatnot. And like, is it was, is it's been pretty solid. I know you said that you could use like free domain or your own domain on it and stuff, which is nice as opposed to something like medium or dev two or whatever it is. So I'll let you kind of like, what's, what's the dealio? Yeah. So initially I think their platform was primarily just like, um, a social network and they, you know, did some AMAs, but they really didn't have much exposure and, and much user interaction. I think, I think it's only been a few months since they just rolled out the, um, the blogging portion of it. Mm-hmm. So I basically just, you know, rediscovered them about a month ago, even though I signed up in 2017 and, um, tried it out and the experience was fantastic. You know, all I had to do was uh, set a C name for my domain and mm-hmm. basically just enter in my domain name in their admin panel, and that was good to go. Oh, dang. Yeah, I'm just signing up right now, and immediately off the bat, like, they got plenty of connections. Uh, it seems that since it's more or less a blogging platform, like, they have a bunch of... Okay, so it seems definitely towards the developer... Um, side of things i'm seeing like the different categories are like javascript programming languages in general straight up blockchain frameworks mobile NoSQL, traditional databases design casual new gen dev tools cloud stuff like that so and then like there's a bunch of different like is that communities or is that essentially like just topics like i guess like does that how does that work yeah so that's um the interesting thing is there's still i think in the beta phase for the blog so far Um, so it's pretty much just individual content contributors at the moment, you know, no major publications like, you know, medium has with, um, hacker noon or something like that. Um, but I was just speaking with them and they actually said, uh, their, their development team said that within, uh, the next week, I think they're rolling out, um, beta for publications. Ooh. Okay. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I might have to jump on that. I'm going to start checking this out because uh, I've seen a couple people, um, you included, obviously, talking about this. And it's something that's I'm kind of in the market for like a new bloggy type area, a place where I can either... I, I'm really interested in Jamstack right now, um, if you're familiar with that whole ecosystem or not. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, the JavaScript API has a markup bit where it's just all like front-endy type stuff and then hosting... Um, any of my blog content on something on some other like kind of CMSE or blog type thing like Hashnode because maybe it, it, I don't know if there's like an API or whatever they have for it or not but or if that's like in the works or eventually it'll come uh, but I think that'd be kind of interesting I, w- I would like to do something like that where I have my content somewhere else so that it doesn't matter what I use in the front end I, all I have to do is consume it agreed yeah um, oh also a, a tag on I I don't know have you heard of uh, SitePoint uh, I've heard the name before. Yeah, I think they were like pretty OG. Um, I think I had really stumbled upon them back when I was like trying to learn how to code in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah, I've been here before. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a bunch of like code articles and then they have a bunch of like courses and books and stuff and then they not spam you, but they have a nice like, oh, everything's on sale now. Yeah, okay, yeah, I've been here before. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, to, uh, so to bring it back, I, shit, I remember like in the early 2000s, it was just a plain blog. And, you know, they more recently did this, but I actually connected with their um, head editor on SitePoint. Mm. Uh, or excuse me, on, on, uh, on Hashnode. Because Hashnode is so tiny right now, um, you know, I just posted a couple of relatively simple blog posts and, uh, you know, was trending on the front page of it. So, like, now is the perfect time to get in because there's oh, a lot really? of, yeah, there's a lot of, like, large, uh, well-named brand uh, influencers on there, um, you know, that are just poking around and finally starting to enjoy the, the blogging platform. Yeah, got to get in while it's hot and early, man. Ooh, that's actually a, a really good idea. I mean, because like that's kind of how Dev Two was for a while too. I also know that um, uh, Sarah Drasner did a AMA yes. on Hashnode the other day, right? Yeah, with, and, uh, yeah, and I think she—that's how she grew the majority of her audience, if I'm not mistaken—is on Dev Two when they were a bit smaller. Uh, somewhat, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. I know um, Emma Wedekind, I think is her name. I I totally killed her name between her and alice patel and then a couple others they've really been utilizing dev2 quite a bit um and they have been there's some females who are doing some awesome stuff when it comes to, like the twitter community and like the dev stuff like just for helping people get a lot better uh and, and improve and they've really been utilizing dev2 a lot which is i've been on dev2 but i haven't actually written anything on it yet because i'm a slacker uh <laughs> no, i'm the same way man <laughs> I looked at it. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not gonna do this. Like, I don't need another social networking site. But it, it has has really grown. But yeah, um, jumping jumping on what you were saying about, uh, ah, fuck, I'm gonna butcher her name too. But <laughs> she works for Logme and and mm -hmm. she lives in Germany. Um, yeah, yeah. You talking about Sarah? Yes, yes. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I think or I recently. Sarah. Emma, Emma, my bad. Yes, yes. <laughs> she think... was also on a podcast recently and i forgot which one it was anyway continue on and i will find it so okay anyways. cool yeah essentially she was saying um in one of her podcasts or excuse me blog posts i believe on dev2 uh that she'd recently over the past year gains like forty two thousand followers primarily due to the rise of dev2 yeah she's been blowing up like she's only been in social media in the dev community for six months maybe Damn. seven at this point like it's just see so somebody that i listen to uh, quite a bit and listen as in like i consume the content but don't actually act on the advice um is gary v or gary vanderchuk uh if you, and it's literally all about pushing out content all the time and making sure that it's at least somewhat valuable right and every just about like i want to say like 70 to 60 percent of the stuff that she puts out is one is amazingly like it's just super helpful and it's well put together and everything is just like it's just it's spot on and on point like all the time yeah totally agreed you know there's this um ah fuck I, i'm gonna butcher this let me see um uh, oh uh it was it was a change log uh episode oh okay cool there no no no. you're fine dude i'm i'm just thinking out loud here i'm trying to remember what to google <laughs> uh, yeah the the title of the podcast episode is from zero to thought leader in six months so yeah she does a lot of U, uh ux uh stuff and she's a, she's a ux designer and engineer and whatnot and then uh, she does a lot of really cool uh, she's been doing some really cool like kind of series i think it's i want to say some view stuff 
maybe. Uh, and then just kind of some some simple uh, coding series stuff on Dev2 recently over the past, I'd say, month and a half to two months. So, Yeah, it has been really high quality. Okay, shit, this is what I was looking for. And nice. It's actually on Jeff Atwood's website. Nice. I'm posting this in uh, the links. Yep. But yeah, the, the title of this is uh, Quantity Always Trumps Quality. And it's just kind of a fascinating parable about um, a group of students that are split into two different groups, group A, group B. Uh, group A is basically told, all right, you can make you know, one pot or one vase for the entire class. And everyone else in the other group was told, all right, you can make as many as you want and just submit what you think is your best work at the end. And you'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll compare and contrast and whoever has the better vase, you know, gets the A. Um, so mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, ultimately, the moral of the story is the more content that you produce, the greater, uh, higher quality content you'll get eventually in the, uh, in the future due to those failings and those learnings. Whereas the, the other part of the class that could only build the one vase, um, you know, really theorized on everything for such a long time, but they didn't get any actual experience and their, their vase just turned out to be crap. So I think it's awesome that, uh, sorry, was it Emily or Emma? Uh, Emma, yeah. Emma, yeah. That Emma is just pouring out like a ton of content. Um, you know, as you were mentioning, 60% of it is fantastic, but I think it's cool that she's following the same principle. You know, um, just as a quick aside, you know, not everything is going to hit. Not everything is going to right. be, uh, you know, gain that traction. But if you're prolific and putting out, you know, content, then a lot of it really does catch on. Yeah, exactly. It's... That's the thing is that if you work so long on one thing and you expect that one just because you spent upwards of a year working on something and then you didn't do anything to help promote it or do anything, I mean, and then you just haven't been, you're not experienced enough sometimes, like it's, it's, it's sometimes it just misses, you know, and it, you can't hit if you're not there. So if you just constantly just put stuff out, then eventually something's going to happen as long as you're just continuously improving and all that fun stuff, right? Like that's just... Yeah, agreed. You know, and I have such that um, that difficulty with like analysis paralysis, where I'll you know just kind of sit around and think about something as opposed to actually just putting out a fuck ton of content. So right, right. That's the line and the struggle that I'm uh, you know often working on. You know, every two months I'll kind of go through a cycle of not producing content, and then maybe I'll go ham for like a month. Right. Yeah. It's I. And and the interesting part too is that you can work on different types of social media also in, uh, helps with it it helps you shape your content and you can take a piece like a single piece of content and you can split it four or five different ways depending on how you do it like you can do like an hour-long video and then maybe even split that up into micro content or like five or six different like youtube videos maybe turn that into like 15 or 20 different blog posts and then take a bunch of 30 second to a minute clips and post those on instagram right like that's that's kind of the gary v mindset right like you take that stuff and then you chunk it out for what's valuable you grab the good nuggets and then you know you do a bunch of lead stuff kind of back and forth or at least you provide the value so see i fucking love chatting with another gary v fan 
This makes the conversation so much easier. <laughs> he's he's just no bullshit. I, like I listened yeah. to, I I watched like the last ten minutes, fifteen minutes of my day every day at work is pretty much me just like BSing on YouTube and just kind of unwinding before I drive home. And then like today, I watched one of his stuff where it's like AI is everybody's like, oh yeah, a- AI is going to eventually like eliminate all the all the the low skill and like the low IQ jobs and stuff. But then everybody kind of had a laugh on it. And he was like, no, that means that people who hate who have to do these sh- you know shitty jobs and stuff like that they don't like can actually even if they are like low iq or uneducated or whatever like they can find out what they want to do and then they'll be happier because of it right like it's it's it, it's stuff like that like that the way that he just no bullshit talks about stuff it's just very interesting to me and i really it, it really kind of is it, it, it captures and kind of helps me think in like a more productive way and a more positive way too because it's 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 so important to one to be positive too but i mean because anybody can look on the negative it's it's literally all around us but so uh but being able to you know just say oh hey yeah, like constantly improving all that like gary v is just he's he's such a freaking inspiration i'm so glad i found him i have absolutely like destroyed his content it's been it's been insane yeah, I fucking agreed, man. Um, you know, I haven't done a deep dive on his content probably in like the past eight months, but for like a solid year there, I was just watching his stuff. Um, you know, he really repeats a lot of the same core points and he really mm-hmm. uh, recently has been referencing back to that fact. He's just like, look, if you've listened to me for a while, like, you know, I just repeat like the same four or five fucking oh, yeah. facts. <laughs> you got to put in the hard work. You got to produce the content. And you gotta make sure you're there actually doing it. It doesn't like that's all it is. That's all it really is. That and help people. That's all he cares about. Help people, and if you do it right, then it'll work out. Like as long as you're going for your goals. So. Yeah, exactly. Like he's got that um, jab, 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 right hook principle. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you know, if you're going to help people, fucking straight help people. Don't mix sales with you know altruism. Like that's right. that's a recipe for disaster. Um. And, oh, I, I love his hook on uh, Facebook and Instagram where he's basically saying, look, that is like the early Google AdWords. Like if you're not spending money on yep. PPC on those platforms, you are just wasting a golden opportunity. Right. Exactly. You got to make sure you promote your content type stuff, too. Uh, speaking of uh, to, to kind of bring that back into like the code aspect of things, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Tyler McGinnis or not in the React community. Um, no. He uh, does. He has a few courses. Um, I actually started to take one of his React courses a couple of years back uh, before I really knew enough about JavaScript. Like I feel like now that I, I had time and I was able to learn JavaScript in general, like and, uh, and use it more, um, that I was able to go into React. Anyway, uh, Tyler McGinnis uh, just recently started using Instagram. I don't want to say recently, but like he started following me oddly enough. And he's been posting at least once or twice a day, like a super small code snippet. Like I didn't know, like there's um, where, let me find this super quickly uh, in JavaScript. Like there's a way that you can do an implicit return and you can do an or on it. Like it's, uh, I'll have the link to the, to the actual Instagram post and stuff, but like it's, Oh, uh, with console.log, you can break apart like a, a, a an implicit return, right? You know, just like it's just like small, like little tiny things like that. Um, and just he's been posting those every day, like little small nuggets. So it's like he's putting out the content and he's using Instagram. And Instagram, the developer like community over there, is essentially just like, oh, hey, look, I'm working on my computer and there's code yeah. on the screen. But like when people actually provide value, like 
like Wes Boss uses Instagram as more or less like his personal lifey type stuff because Twitter is where he kind of does the business end of things for the most part. I mean, he's still some regular role, whatever on Twitter, but you know, like, I mean, I think people don't use Instagram, like at least in our community for what it should be used for. Right. So to tie it back into the overall topic of tech. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, that's cool, man. We can go on some tangents. I think it'll be um, interesting in the long run. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you. That is just kind of like, on on Instagram, it's really. Uh, I'm trying to think of like the politest way to say this. Um, it's typically women uh, that have like the highest engagement rates on Instagram because it's like, hey, look, I'm a relatively relatively attractive female coder. Here's my laptop with stickers, and let's what I see is the vast majority of highly engaged content on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's just Instagram in general. Like most of the influencers are either fashion people or they're makeup people. Like that's <laughs> not, like, like that's actually what the main thing on Instagram is right now for the most part. Very that's, true. that's because it's the new, it's the new thing, right? Like that's where the kids are. That's maybe that's overgeneralizing, but you, you know what I mean? Right? Like that's where those people are. The people who enjoy that stuff is on Instagram because it's all pictures and stuff and then people don't think about what they can... They, they just think of it as like a selfie or here's my photography type thing as opposed to, hey, I can do value. Uh, um, Evan Carmichael is another motivational type person and he's been doing a lot of he posts like six to ten pieces of content a day on there and it's all like quick little videos about you know inspirational business type stuff or whatever. It's It's like the way that people are rethinking how to use a platform is just, it's interesting kind of seeing it actually happen in front of me and I'm trying to take as many notes as possible on it. And I needed to get uh, on it, to be honest. 100%, man. Yeah, Ivan Carmichael is just one of those guys that fucking crushes it. Um, and like we were talking about before with the quantity versus quality and then quantity actually equaling quali- quality. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh I don't know how many videos he's put out. It must have been, it's got to be in the high thousands at this point on, on YouTube. Oh, like he's constantly just doing like those top five and top 10 roundups. He, I guarantee he's over like 10,000 videos at this point. It's gotta be because he posts so many a day. It's insane. But dude, we need to find something we don't agree on. Cause this is going to be a really, <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's cool that we're throwing out a lot of, um, of resources and stuff though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's important stuff because it doesn't matter where you're at. Like, this stuff is important, right? To try and improve yourself and to try and, like, better yourself, whether it's in your career. Like, like it doesn't matter what career you're in, right? So it's like, you know, like, it's it, understanding how you think, like, introspective. Like, if you can figure out how you do that stuff, then you can optimize yourself, all that fun stuff. So anyway, yeah. Modeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so check this out. 5,805 motherfucking videos on YouTube. Oh, that's... For Evan Carmichael. I'm actually surprised it's that low. But he's almost at the 2 million marker. He's almost at the 2 million marker. I know well, yeah. uh, Dan Locke just hit 2 million, so... Oh, who's Dan Locke? Uh, he's been on uh, Evan Carmichael's channel a bunch. Um, actually, he posted one a couple days ago. Dan Locke is a high-ticket uh, high skills, the high-skill high closer... Um, the uh the sales closer type guy he's 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 very well off uh but he's also put in the work uh, he has a series called boss and a bentley and then he also just he's been doing a lot of really cool stuff lately so he he posts a lot of really valuable content i would definitely suggest i'm, I'm finding a lot of these people through because i found evan so sweet i am including his link right there 
Yeah, fuck, you weren't kidding. He's got over a thousand videos. Mm hmm. Some really good stuff, man. I actually watched one of them on lunch today. So, uh, some of his titles are a little clickbaity, ah. but yeah. Overall, though, I was just gonna like say it, that it's quality. It, it's it's actual quality. Okay, cool. So it's not like a um fucking tie whatever here in my garage, dude. Yeah, no, no. The guy has quality. Like he is, <laughs> he's actually in Toronto. Is main base of operations, I think. But I mean, he is. You know, he does have that a little bit of the accent, but it's it's he's super understandable and like he he posts a lot of really good content. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. He's even posting content on uh, Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do. What? That's interesting. Yeah, if you go to um, his uh, fucking words. <laughs> YouTube profile and I just posted in the, the shared links there and scroll all the way to the bottom. It's the last section. Mm-hmm. Uh, where? How do how do I use YouTube? YouTube's hard. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bruce Lee's uh, five ways to attack. I mean, oh, that's pretty sweet. Nice. Shrugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. Um. Shit, I'm kind of at the point where I'm ready to uh, wind down and get a smoke and just kind of chill. Uh, yeah, I feel like we've been going for over an hour, so fucking solid episode. I think we, we could edit it down to 45 minutes to half an hour. Yeah, not bad for um, just BSing and saying, hey, we should do a podcast like two hours ago. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>